0: Welcome everybody to Brothers Talking Pucks. I'm Timothy Parker with my man JB John Brown. On, you know we normally start the show with something happy, something a little, something about food, tacos, something fun, or celebrating a Flyers win. Mm-hmm. That's not the case today. Well, well, <laughs> that's not even, that's not even that. Things have changed. We'll get to the the, the Flyers, you know, terrible hockey in a Things second. Things
1: have changed, man. But
0: we want to start with something solemn. A serious ceremony that John Brown will start.
1: Yes, real quick. Uh, I would like to take the time. I think um, Flyers lost a very key point, uh, a key part of their team uh, this week. Very vital. Very vital. Anthony Stolarz was sent back to the minors. And he, very <laughs> he sad. <was> <sighs> Personally, I think he was too young to go. You know, I... I I, I had hoped to see watch this young man flourish into a capable backup who could possibly be the starter of this team. Unfortunately, that opportunity was ripped another away s- from him. Another South Philly youth, inner city youth, wasted. When will things change? When? Wh- why can't things be different? So we're What's, gonna pour out a forty-four. For Forty Five. When was the last time you drank a forty? I never drank a you forty in my life. i mean, Come on. I'm dude. a
0: sophisticated fellow. What does that mean? I'm too bougie for the drink of forty. So what do you drink? I'm red of sours. <laughs> Jordan Hall's here with us. Can you help us? Oh my God! You,
1: don't say that out loud again. Don't, let me. Let me go to. Oh. Got I, I, Hall. I, I to mean, I, I'm sitting there looking at you, shocked. I can't believe you just said you're a grown man.
0: I like Amaretta sours. I don't drink forty. I don't drink liquid. Well, bread. fine. I don't
1: understand. I don't. You don't have to drink forties.
0: But come on, amaretto. Jordan t- Jordan Hall from csnphilly.com. Can we talk Wait. hockey? Not about my Yo. drink of choice. Oh my god.
2: Forties
0: on me. I
1: don't I'll, know. I don't know if you can handle a forty. <laughs> uh, and I'm not talking to you, Jordan. I'm looking at. I'm looking at Tim. Yeah. But, I don't know. I do if, if I
2: can. But yeah. <laughs> I don't
1: know if Tim can handle a. 40. You know what? Stereotypes stereotypes, be damned. One of these days, you know, before you know, before any, you know, know before anything happens, before anything changes or whatever, before we're all said and done with this podcast as a whole, <laughs> I'm going to drink a 40 with you, son. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right? We just go sit down, order
0: quarter, just put it in.
1: Uh, I don't
2: know.
0: A 40-ounce supersized soda. That's what that would be. That's what the oh, 40 oh yeah, is. I a, don't see, think I see can see handle 40 that either. Watch, have a few 40s and watch Drew Highlights. You know, you know what? Ex- exactly. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of speaking yeah. of 40s, <laughs> it felt like the Flyers gave up 40 goals last night <laughs> against the Rangers. <laughs> oh, what man. is going on with this team? They have what lost happened? five straight.
2: Yeah, and seven of their last eight following a 10-game win streak. It's kind of like what we've seen with the Flyers in the past few seasons. Um, last year we didn't really see it in bulk. We saw it maybe win two straight, lose three. Uh, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. This year it was kind of, hey, we're going to get everyone's hopes up, rip off 10, and then we're going to slip back into kind of what we've been doing. And uh, it's just inconsistency. You can't string together. You know, obviously they did it for 10 straight games, but a lot of that's, you know, good fortune, uh, some good luck, um, you know, winning shootouts, overtimes, making right like, plays, which is all part of winning. But um, you were hoping that they could sustain it not ten, you know, consecutive wins, but at least win two or three, win win chunks of games, and obviously it doesn't seem like uh, they're just there yet. This is
1: this is a very young team. Do you do you think this is a young team and is a very impressionable team? I, I I think. Do you think rattling off ten wins and not really making a lot of hay in the standings? Do you think that worked against them? Do you think that's what kind the kind of Play, play you know, yeah. Play with their head. The fact that you can go off and you can win ten games and pretty much still be in the same place you were before, yeah. You know, before that that, that streak started.
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Jv, because like you know, players like Dave Haskell will say he's never looking at the standings, but like you better bet the players certainly do. Like, there's no way they go to their job uh, and expect to win and not look at right around the league and see what's what's happening especially within the division and I think definitely to their mental you know their psyche was here we are having one of the most historic win streaks in franchise history and and we're not making much ground because the entire division is doing the same thing they're ripping off wins as well so I definitely think part of it was you know there wasn't any time to relax during that win streak they probably felt like they had to keep it going and rip off a few more so I think that was part of it was yeah, this division's really good. This win streak isn't even giving us any cushion or breathing room, um, so we better keep it up. So I think the pressure was still on, and eventually, now there, you know, once you lose a few in a row, people start talking about, you know, losing streaks, and then it starts to get, you know, into your head every day. You're asked about it every day, and you know, after practice, after games. Um, so I think it definitely takes kind of wear and tear uh, on the mind for sure.
0: One of the biggest proponents of the winning streak was the goaltending, obviously Steve Mason. Without Michael Norvert behind him and with Anthony Stolarz on the roster, they didn't play Stolarz that much. Stolarz, rest in peace. <laughs> they, they, didn't, <laughs> they, they didn't play Stolarz that much. So Mason got the bulk of the work, 22 out of 24. So clearly he's showed that he's tired now. So you would think it's a blessing to have Michael Norbert back. So now the question becomes, is the head games again? Because Michael Norbert back and Steve Mason was playing so well, while it's great that he's going to get this chance to rest, but will he ever go back to the play he at during the 10-game win streak when he was, like, stopping everything? Is his head going to go back to where it was before where he's worrying about who's over his shoulder? Or will the rest help him? Will it be the rest that helps him, or will it be – Back to his mental blocking with Michael Norvind. Back. What do you think?
2: It, I think it's a little bit of both. It's funny we were saying that you know Mason needs to get the bulk with the playing time for him to really succeed, but then it's almost like he got too much playing time. He, I think, he definitely wore down. You could tell he's fatigued. his his reactions, his instincts were definitely slower than what they were when the Flyers started uh, getting steam. Um. But now we're back to where we where we were previously discussing Michael norbert's back and Mason's gonna probably see some rest now and he won't be playing as consistently or as much. Will that hurt or help? I think the rest will certainly help, but I definitely think um competing with Michael norbert has never been like a really beneficial thing for him. I think they certainly are good teammates and they and they enjoy each other and they respect each other, but For some reason, it seems like when he doesn't know he's the guy, um, he's not always there. And I thought Wednesday night's game was a key game to watch for him. It was the first game with Neuwirth officially dressing and backing up. And we've said it before when Mason gives up, you know, maybe an an early goal or so. How does he react? And then you saw it last night. Now, I'm not saying all the goals were his fault, but, you know, one or two, and then it kind of snowballed. And. Um, that's something we didn't necessarily see when Nordværth was out. Mason would maybe give up a goal or two, and then he would hold the net, hold the fort down and, and keep it there. But last night, Wednesday night against the Rangers, it snowballed like it typically does sometimes when is backing him up. So and that goes back to that I, same.
0: Then that goes back to that same question. Then the you know the fragile nature of Mason's mindset. Is he too fragile to be the? goalie going forward for the Flyers?
2: Yes, yeah, that's a good question, honestly. it's I, I think he has a good mindset. I think he's a confident goaltender. I think um, his work ethic is pretty top-notch. But, um, yeah, I think that's something I think the Flyers would have to see. I think the Flyers would have to see him compete a little bit more and put up results, uh, you know, with some competition before they really commit to him and say, this guy is, you know, our goalie of the future. Or, you know, we need to lock him up and not let him hit free agency this offseason. Uh, I would certainly like to see more because uh, every team's going to have a solid backup and every team's going to, you know, push their starting goaltender. It's not many teams just ride one guy and, mm-hmm. um, and 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 seldomly use a backup. So, I would certainly want to see more from Steve Mason, especially in the second half.
0: Always uh, a revolving question. Goalie, goalie, goalie. Not, but that's... Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. That's, but that's crazy. It's always, to me. it's always a toy controversy yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah.
1: That's, but that to me, that's crazy. That is, that is crazy to me because I feel like over the course of the last couple of weeks, Steve Mason has he's earned the start. I feel like he's earned the right to be the number one guy, and I understand and I I acknowledge the fact that he he, he sometimes struggles with somebody looking over his back, but I feel like this is now different. In the case that now is, I don't think Noivert is really looking over. Makes you know, he's not looking over his shoulder. Steve Mason is the number one guy, so it shouldn't be. You know, he's it, been the
0: number one guy, but every time Norv plays well, Mason the fact, always falls into the trap I, I under, of I, His job, but, but, I, but I but I but he I understand mentally.
1: that. I I understand that. But and and now um, it's not that I. D- Sorry if you get so angry, John. No, no, man, you can get angry. Dude, get, I, I don't know, maybe it's that Amaretto Sour you've been uh, drinking. I'm not soft. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but... but this the is fact brothers talking pups. Yeah. We're allowed to get angry. Exactly.
0: What but, are you saying? Hold up! Uh, uh, what are you saying about the brothers? We got, always gotta get angry, Jordan, just because we're your brother? Uh, uh, no, no, I'm just saying, brother.
1: Jordan, you do realize he just got angry, right? <laughs> 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 but the, but, but, but to, get, to get back to the point, the fact the fact is, it's like, I, at this point, I, I am not debating whether or not Mason is soft or not. Because at this point, I feel like the jury is still out. A little bit, you know, earlier I was saying I might have argued the point that he is not. But now it's like if this, if, if this is playing into his head now, then you know what? Maybe he is soft because I feel like he's earned that number one spot. And if Neuwirth is coming in, he's not coming in to earn the number one spot. He's coming in to spell your number one goalie because you've worked your goalie for so long. Well, so see, now I'm... at this so at this point, you know, you've you've brought him back and he instantly no, I struggles. Get the, I get this. And t- it's t- like if 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 that is the case, if he if if his struggles this time if his struggles this time are directly tied to the return of Neuvert. Okay. Then you know what? You're right. Okay. He is soft. We'll see then. Right? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see then. And
0: and Jordan, I want to ask you about the coach, Dave Hackstall, who's gonna have to deal with this Mason Norford drama potentially. His 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 decision making of late and the relationship with the GM, Ron Hextaw. Hackstall had Lear, a young you know prospect on his top line a few games ago. Few games later, when Matt Reed come, comes back, they send him down. How is that possible that he can be in your top line and a few games later, he is back to the uh, AHL? Where where does the correlation between Hextall and Hackstall?
2: Yeah, Dave Hextall is definitely a game by game guy. Like you know, he'll never put something set in stone. You know, two days in advance. Like sometimes even the practice the day before. I don't even know if he has things, um, you know, totally, you know, finalized or anything. Um, He's definitely a game-by-game guy. We've seen him bench players, uh, no matter the name. Um, I definitely know Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall. Um, They love Matt Reed. They, like, admire his work ethic. They were – they, you know, praised him highly – uh, going into training camp and after training camp for how hard he worked and how he was in early, uh, getting his body in good shape. So I definitely know they like Matt Reed, and that was, was probably part of the decision. When Matt Reed was ready, he was going to be back and playing. Um, but, yeah, I think the reason Taylor uh, Lear was in, you know, at the top line was because Dave Hacksaw is experimenting. He wants to see things. He'll go game by game, and he'll, and he'll switch things up. Um, that's kind of how he is. Um, I think Ron Hextall trusts him in that way. Um, Obviously, Ron Hextall makes decisions and will have his, you know, his input. But when it comes to making the lineup, Dave Hextall is going to be the one that's making those decisions, and he's not going to put anyone, um, he's not going to keep anyone uh, in a certain spot for too long, um, unless they're producing and showing they can do it consistently. And Um, obviously, the Flyers weren't there yet. You know, they weren't at that point. They weren't playing. Well, tell that I can remember when he did play on that top line. I think they that they were also their win streak, if I recall. Um, so I think he was trying some things out.
1: So let me ask you this: you, since uh, since Ron Hextall took over as GM, you know it's kind of been his philosophy. He doesn't like to bring kids up just to send them back down. He kind of wants to keep. You know, when he brings when he brings a kid up, he wants to keep him up. So now right. you've now taken a kid. Put it, who's been on your front line and sent him back down does that speak against hextall's longtime philosophy
2: yeah it, it is it is interesting because Ron you said that is Ron, Hextall, like you said, Jimmy, that is Ron hextall's, um mantra like he when he, yeah when a kid comes up he wants him to stay doesn't want these little short two game three game things uh, sending him back down like he wants them to develop at at whatever stage uh, they are Um Taylor there, I think, was more of, they needed him because of injuries, and, um, you know, they were, obviously, Sean Victoria was out, um, Matt Reed, um, so I think they were a little handcuffed there, um, and, and and really needed him at that point. I think, ultimately, I don't think he wants uh, Taylor up here for this season. I think it was a good experience and a, a good development um, step for him to come up and get some taste in the NHL, play on the top line for a game, play with some some top talent, see what he can do. But ultimately, I think he wants Taylor down in the AHL um, and and developing at that level, playing a full season and getting that type of growth. Uh, so I don't know if it was necessarily against Hextall's, um philosophy. I don't think he would like to do that, but I think he was handcuffed. He had to. and Taylor was kind of the guy that had proven himself, had been up here for a few games the previous season, and he was probably just the best fit.
0: And then I guess Haxtell saying, I got a toy, I'm going to play with it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hexel, he okay, Ron, who are you going to give me? Okay, you're going to give me these guys. You're going to give me this prospect. Well, then I'm going to I'm going to see what I have in these guys. Put them with some players. Experiment. He did it throughout preseason and he's done it throughout the season. Gosh, I can name a number of guys that have played on the fourth to the first line. I think Raffles played on all four. I know Braden Shen has. Mm-hmm. Um, Kinecti's been up and down. Um, there's been constant maneuvering even with their big guns. You know, coming. and Wayne Simmons has been from first to second line, so he's Jake. Um, so it's a constant experiment with Dave if He wants to see where he can gel his players best. And until they're you know, proving that they're there to stay, he's going to consistently push guys and motivate guys by putting them in different spots and making them have to work. And I think we've seen it with benchings, too, with Travis Gosses Bear, Michael Raffel. um All of them had, had team time on the bench to say, hey, you know, you're not playing where we think you're capable of. Take some time to watch and show us what you've got when you get back.
0: You know what? I'll tell you what's not an experiment. Your work on CSNPhilly.com. <laughs> there is no experiment. It is always great. Jordan
1: Hall, read his work. I, w- I wish we had more people to applaud. It's just me right oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but 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 it's a strong applause, though.
0: It, no, you it was.
1: Like, it, you like it was a, it was an applause worthy of some 40s later between the three. Ah, yes yes we' we'll, we'll share that <laughs> we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna stop and pick up a couple 40s yes. on the way on the way out of here man. check out I Jor- like that, guys check out
0: Jordan's Jordan hall's work on CSNPhilly.com. yes thanks Jordan
2: thanks so much for having you guys I appreciate it
0: thank you All
1: right. hey man when we come back we're gonna take a real quick pause for the cause and then we're gonna talk're gonna talk Wayne Simmons his brother's talking puck so it's about time we actually had a conversation about a brother on the team. You got Wayne Simmons? No. Oh. But we're going to talk Wayne so Simmons, and we're going to talk about the article that was written about him in the Undefeated and on the Philadelphia Tribune. So we'll talk to him. We're we'll going talk- extra brotherly right yeah. now with those Ex- two. Were- extra brotherly. Yes. Did you just say that? Yes. So we're making up words and talking about drinking 40s on the on uh, Brothers Talking Pucks. Our very Once- first brother on Brothers Talking Pucks coming yeah. up. All right. Once again, hit us up. Let us know what you think about this show at B-I-T-W Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Brothers Talking Pucks will be right back.
3: you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world. Tune into the best in the world sports report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go
1: Flow.
2: It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and I can quit whenever I want. Just treat me better. After all, we're in this together.
1: To get your high blood
2: pressure to a healthy range, visit heart.org/bloodpressure. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council.
1: Right, we are back on Brothers Talking Pucks. John Brown, Tim Parker, how you doing? Trying to turn things around for the home team. Things not looking good for us right now. Yeah, got some work to do. Do got work to do. All right, well, look, there was an article in the Philadelphia Tribune uh, written on our man Wayne Simmons. Mm-hmm. Now, look, Wayne's been balling this year. He's been doing all right. Got into a, got into a scuffle uh, earlier this week. Now, look, what what, you, what do you think about that? I think it was very North Philly-esque. His jersey came off. He was bare-chested. That's, that's what I was rumbling. thinking. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I've seen that fight in North Philly like. Hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. You know, you get into a fight, you get to a scuffle. You got to take your shirt off because apparently that helps you, you know. When you fight, that helps you fight
0: better. But the good thing about Wayne Simmons is that. He's not a stereotypical, just a goon fighter. Yeah, no, He's one no. of the best goal scorers in the NHL. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, look, he's trying to do big things in the league. He knows that he is a role model. He knows that he has big shoes to fill. And local, local writer for the Philadelphia Tribune and the Undefeated spoke with him. So let's bring in Daryl Bell. Daryl, what's going on, my brother? Hey, how are you? We're good, man. Welcome to Brothers Talking Pucks. John Brown, Tim Parker here with you. Now, you, you got a chance to sit down and... And really, talk to talk to Wayne. Now, how impressed were you with him uh, at when you sat with him? Like, what, what were your what was your impressions with him after uh, after that interview?
3: Uh, he's a very bright individual. Uh, he has not mentioned the word goon. Uh, he is far from being a goon. Very articulate young man who knows his place in history. Who knows his place in professional hockey and who can see a fruit there for him and for others like him.
0: Do you think if he had been in any other market besides Philadelphia that he could have had the potential cultural impact? you got to remember in Philadelphia, Ed Snyder set up a legacy of inner-city hockey with Snyder Hockey, so there is an outlet for Wayne Simmons to actually make a difference. Do you think he could have potentially had that type of – the type of impact had he been somewhere else.
3: I think the impact probably would have been the same. Uh fact, he's probably getting a better play by being a Flyer. Uh the Flyers have had numerous African Americans who played. Uh, from Donald Brashear, uh and Wayne and what have you. Mm-hmm. So they've got guys who they they have, there's a legacy there. Mm-hmm. Um as far as the sport itself, you've got to also remember the sport is still a predominantly white sport. So he's going to have that, uh, I guess, complex. Well, complex is not the right word to use. Uh, he's not going to be known to many people, especially of color, because many people of color don't follow hockey. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so he's going to
3: have. He's, he's going to have, you know, he can walk into Harlem and no one would know who he was. He could be a New York Ranger walking in the house and people would not know who he was.
0: And that's
3: amazing. So, that's amazing. Well, it's uh, it's something that has changed a lot. You got to remember, when Willie O'Ree played, uh, no one knew who he was. Yeah, so. that, yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah. <laughs> and and, that, and what, what's funny is that that's not that long ago. You know, it's like no you, 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 when, when you're I was I was reading your article, and he, and he talked about, you know, looking – you know, being inspired by w- Willie O'Ree. And then I'm reading your article and then I'm seeing like, what he was, a fl- he played for the Flyers, what? 1990.
3: Uh, well, he played for the Bruins.
1: Bruins. Yeah. I'm sorry.
3: Willie O'Ree played for the Bruins mm-hmm. and uh, he played in an era that mm-hmm. definitely did not cater to African-Americans, yeah. just walking the street, let alone mm-hmm. playing uh, professional hockey. Yeah. Uh, that's, he paved the way for the P.K. fans and and uh, what have you to come to Jerome mm-hmm. McGinnis. Yeah. I mean, you, there are names you can just rattle off a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an opening, I guess, for the African-American hockey player. But hockey is such an expensive sport. Yes. And it's pricing out even uh, – kids not of color Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's extremely expensive. Um, One of the things that Wayne was talking about was trying to find a way to circumvent the expense of playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's a novel idea, but realistically, you know, you got to look at having
1: uh,
3: a rink, you got to have space, you got to have padding. And, you know, you start packing that up, he can run
1: that's,
0: that's, that's a, pretty a lot, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll just tell you, I just turned 30 years old, and I attend the National Association of Black Journalists Conference every year. And I, don't, I forget which year it was or what city we were in. Willie really, O'Ree was honored. And I, that was the first time I've ever heard of him, and I actually watch the sport of hockey. So it's amazing to see, like, like you were saying, that people – African American community just doesn't, just don't know the 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 players, the black players who are in the sport. But mm-hmm. I think about Snyder hockey. Do you think that? I mean, is that a way that people, kids in the community, black kids in the community, could get into the sport because they're not necessarily fitting the bill for it?
3: Well, you know, you were talking about the year Willie O'Ree was on by the NABJ yes. Sports Task Force. I happen to be a founding member of that force task force. Oh, founders. you were one of the uh what's the what was I'm the? one I'm one of the originals. Yes. Yes,
0: yes. I think there's a term for it. There's a special or the uh the black yes, book uh, or legend. something
3: like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was one of them. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um yes, there's a way I mean we have kids we have a pilot program in Comps Creek where uh Ed Schneider uh has helped facilitate, uh, the rink and kids are participating out there. But again, it's not a sport that is culturally promoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are tend to have, see many of our youngsters want to be playing football on Sunday, see themselves as playing football on Sunday afternoon or playing an NBA, uh, Baseball used to be a big thing. We're having problems getting kids playing baseball. And baseball kind of falls into the same light as hockey because it takes money to play. You have Mm -hmm. to have a bat. You have to have a glove. You have to have a ball. You have to have a field. So, you know, cost does make a difference in terms of participation. Um, How that can be uh, circumvented, uh, if I had the answer to that, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now.
0: No, I have a couple questions uh, to following, up, following that up. Number one, do you think the NHL will ever attempt to reach out to the inner city community as a league? And number two, what is Simmons doing personally to try to get the outreach in toward the black community, or is he?
3: I can't really comment on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I know the Flyers in general have done a lot for the community here. And I'm not so certain it is just reaching out. To, they've reached out for young African-American kids to play, to be interested, to know what the sport is about. That's part of Ed Snyder's legacy. Yes. As far as the league is concerned, I think there's an interest, but again we're talking about costs prohibitive costs and what have you and let's face it no matter how many rinks you build here in the state your best players generally are not from the states they're yes. from canada mm-hmm. so we're talking about a, again a whole different uh venue you know up there they their hockey is taken seriously and religiously
1: we're on the line with daryl bell from the philadelphia tribune and the undefeated daryl wrote an article that's Posted up on the undefeated and the Philadelphia Tribune on uh, uh, Flyers Wayne Simmons. How did you
0: How did you get a chance to sit down with him? Where was the interest drawn from him? Because I'm sure hockey players are accessible, but to have a one on one, you know, conversation with him, why do you think he was interested in having this conversation?
3: Well, first of all, uh, I'm a journalist. That's number one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I, this is not my first rodeo. Yes, sir. That's the First, thing. Uh, second thing, I know the value of a story. I know what this guy can do. I've seen what he can do. I've looked at his numbers. I mean, any journalist, who sports journalist, mm-hmm. who, who keeps up with their craft, should have seen this was a story. I just happened to capitalize on.
0: It. I mean, I mean, in terms of from his perspective, why do you think he was so willing to? open up
3: with you uh i don't know about opening up i just asked questions and he answered uh it wasn't anything uh earth shattering i wanted to wanted to get a feel for how he felt Gotcha. and we were able to strike a nice accord and things worked out it worked out to be a pretty good story
1: well, the one thing about Wayne Simmons is he's a difference maker on this team. He's definitely a contributor, and he's one of the reasons that the Flyers have had, you know, a measure of success these, la- these last couple of years. So with that success comes a little bit of the spotlight, and possibly this this interview that you conducted will be the first of more, more spotlight and more focus on on him as a player. Do you think he's ready for this moment?
3: Oh, yes. He's more than ready. Uh, He realizes that he's on the cusp of being an outstanding player. He has a chance of of making his first All-Star game. He uh, led the team uh, basically almost since he's been here. Mm -hmm. he's just Now he's starting to really assert himself as a leader. Uh, the players and management look up to him. He has done, he's a good guy off the rank. He's a good guy on the rank. You mentioned about the fight that he got into. Mm-hmm. Wayne doesn't back down from anyone. He doesn't go out to start a fight, mm-hmm. but he will not. If you punch him, you're prepared to get punched back. Mm-hmm. So he, he, and he makes no bones about that, that. That's what he does. It's part of hockey. He's not afraid to take a shot but he's also not afraid to get one. Uh, he's professional, he knows what he's doing.
1: Once again, we're on the line with Darryl Bell from the Philadelphia Tribune and the Undefeated. Like you like you said before, you, you you've been around, you've been around. You've done this for you've done this for a while, for a while. You've talked to a lot of people in talking to Wayne, is there a, uh, an athlete in this city that you would compare him to personality-wise?
3: Uh, personality-wise, you know, everyone is, that's, that's kind of a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you talk to any athlete in this city, uh, they will take, they take their craft very seriously. Um, uh, they are dedicated to their job and they realize what they're doing. I don't think he's any different than any other athlete that I met, except he plays hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I I talked to Darren Sproles and he says the same things and but he's thirty three years old and five foot six. Mm-hmm. So I mean there's there's a difference. I mean, guys are the same, they know how to play. Uh, uh you can talk to Daryl sarge and you know, if you're a professional athlete, you have a mindset of what you're going to do.
0: Daryl, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Hopefully, I don't know if you're gonna make it to NABJ next year. Hopefully, I'll see you around and get a chance to talk to you or around the area. It's great talking to you, man.
3: Well, it's great talking to you too. Yes, I'm looking forward to uh, New Orleans myself. Uh, yes, I'm trying to get down there. Uh, I've I've got some other personal things that have, that might help hold me up from being there, but that is my goal. That it will be the anniversary of the formation. I believe that's number thirty. For yes. the formation of the sports task force, and so, I, I
0: gotta personally thank you. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have never, I would've never gotten employed by ESPN or Comcast Sportsnet had it not been for what you guys have done. So thank you so much.
3: Hey, well, someone before me uh, began this cycle, uh, and it's just something that we are just keeping going. I know there's not a lot of outlets left to. Do our craft, but that's what we do, and we're going to continue to try to do the best that
1: we can. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, well, once again, that was Daryl Bell from the Philadelphia Tribune and the Undefeated. Check his article out on the Undefeated, at theundefeated.com and on the Philadelphia Tribune website. Hey man, it's time we got to get out of here, man. This is fun. It has been fun. We had our first brother on the show. Exactly, man. It's been a long time. We, we needed that.
0: The f- next time we, we talk, yeah. The Flyers need to have another winning streak. They will. That's what needs to happen. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Hey, once again, you can tell us what you think of today's show. I'm about at... to go have a 40. No, you're not. 40 ounces? No, no of... you're not. Stop it. I'm cool too late. It. At BITW Sports. Once again, at BITW Sports. 40. Check us out. No, you're not. Stop lying. All right, guys. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Brothers Talking Pucks.